This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello everyone, welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. In today's episode, as I've alluded to the ending of last episode, I want to use this, uh, I guess, season finale, if you will, on the difference or comparing the hockey scene with the soccer scene in Montreal. It might sound like a, it's, it is a David and Goliath comparison. It definitely it is. But I like to see those comparisons because hockey is obviously a well-established sport in Montreal, has been for the last 100, 200 years, and soccer is the new kid on the block. So for this episode, I'm curious as to see how is that relationship between both sports because right now the impact are growing in popularity more people are attending games the Montreal Canadians are still at a high when it comes to attendance and season ticket sales let me just highlight or break down how this episode will be uh, broken down I suppose so the first part I, I do want to talk about hockey as the I guess the f- official religion of Montreal and how it will always be the number one sport in the city and then the second part is Obviously, I'll talk about soccer as a small little community that's growing. Kind of, as I said in the last episode, I compared it to a, a new religious movement like a cult. I think that's a really, I personally think that's a interesting or even a better way of approaching these two dynamics. And then I'll finally round up the, the, the discussion with cultural expression seems to be more tangible in soccer, but also comparing ticket prices between hockey games and soccer games in Montreal. And then I'll end the conversation with my opinions and recap everything what I've just said. All right, so let's start with hockey as the official religion of Montreal, if you will. And it's a uh, it's important that before I go any further, I need to set the foundation, the cultural or historical foundation of hockey in the city. I won't go too much into details of like different hockey players that have contributed to, I suppose, the the cult of heroes in the city, but. I do want to see explain hockey, why it means so much to a city like Montreal. And from the research I've done, hockey, ice hockey, as we know it, really started in Montreal. Montreal is the mecca of ice hockey, if you will. Not if you will. It is that mecca of ice hockey in North America. Let me say the quick story of hockey in Montreal. So what I remember as a kid, even watching some of the, some documentaries and on CBC, was it was a Scottish medical McGill student. Some Scottish student who attended McGill Medical School uh, noticed that in the winters of Montreal that not a lot of people were playing sports or doing much winter activities. So he thought a good idea would be to get eight, well, 16 guys, 8 on 8, play, get on, put on their skates and pretty much play a version of ice hockey with nets. Except it was the way it was described to me was Ice hockey with no pads, no helmets, sticks, and a ball. And there's a goalkeeper with nets. But all this is played with rugby rules. I don't know what that means. That sounds disturbing. You're playing rugby on ice with skates. That's scary. Or they mean that they're probably using some rugby rules of offside or you can only pass uh, laterally. I I don't know. Um, Or is that football? You see, I'm not an expert with all these other sports. (laughs) But yeah, so that's how it started. It started as just you know university students getting together in winter at the Victoria Arena, which no longer exists. The Victoria Arena was on Peel in St. Catherine, if I believe. And they would come together, play, and then that's how the sport developed through time. It gained popularity. Obviously, it was popular here because, you know, people weren't doing much 
in the winter. And if they were doing something winter, it would most likely be a, an individual activity as opposed to team sport. You can't really think of much team sports in the winter, especially at that time in like the 1800s. So that being said, long story short, uh, hockey gains popularity. The Stanley Cup is formed, which was named after, I think, the governor general, the sons of the governor general, who thought it would be a good idea to make a hockey tournament with other teams throughout Canada. And then eventually uh, the Americans got involved, and then it eventually became the NHL, which was, you know, the original six with Montreal, Boston, New York, uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and Detroit, I believe. Or is it Chicago? I think it's those six, no, not Chicago. And yeah, voila. And that's the history of NHL in this, <laughs> in the, in this continent. And Montreal was, you know, part of the original six, 24 Stanley Cups. Uh, the name is called, you know, Canadien in French. Uh, that story in of itself is interesting. And this is why it means so much. This is why the Canadians mean so much to the city. Montreal, for the longest of time before before the 90s, it was the biggest city in Canada until Toronto took it over officially in the 90s. And everybody wanted to be in Montreal. At those times, a lot of um, country people, a lot of French Canadians from the countryside were moving into the cities. They were finding jobs in factories, living in places like, you know, uh, Saint-Henri, Valdar, uh, Griffintown, what, what have you, all the industrial parts of town. As hockey was growing and professionalism was on its way and it was becoming a thing, rich Anglophone entrepreneurs in Montreal decided to make a hockey franchise for the Francophone population, for the French-Canadian population. Now, granted, it's important to say that the businessmen, the two Anglophone or three Anglophone dudes that decided to make this franchise did so because they understood the money in the market among French Canadians when it comes to hockey. They thought, this is this is a win, of course. We make a franchise, we have these population people who don't watch any other sport, and they will be watching this and attending this. Let's make a team for them, and we'll get all the money. We have one market stamped down. So if you see it from a business perspective, that's great. But at the time, a lot of French Canadians were a little uh, suspicious, you know? Again, English are running the show, they're running the French things again, and, you know, all that colonial discourse, all our discourse of power. And... Despite all of this, the Canadians were successful because it was a team for the people. It was the people's team, and it was the only French-Canadian franchise or French-Canadian-specific franchise uh, in the NHL or North American sports history. So that became a very unique thing among, with the Montreal Canadiens. And for that reason, the Montreal Canadiens are not written in English, they're written in French. It's an honor for all the French-Canadians that live here or have been here and you know all that stuff. It's it's uh, the the Montreal Canadiens are more of a symbol of French Canadianness because up to this point, French Canadians were the losers. They were working class, relegated. Uh, they were discriminated. They weren't getting jobs. Uh, it was very difficult for upper mobility. You know all these things, right? So when you finally have a franchise that is for you, but is also winning, and it's also the team to beat. I mean, of course, I'll give you a sense of pride. It's like, finally, for once, we're winning. There's something, the one thing that we are winning. And in my opinion, that's the reason why the Montreal Canadiens will never be uprooted as the most important thing in the city because they are the history of the city. They are the spirit of the city. Oh, yeah, and it's also another thing that I will be referring to the Canadians as the Habs as well. For all those who are from Montreal, you know why they're called the Habs. For those who may not know, the Habs is short for habitant. Habitant means... Um, inhabitants in English but 
Les habitants is specifically for French Canadian people living within New France. Those were what the French were calling their col uh, their colonists living in Quebec or in Eastern Canada. They would call them habitants because it was a distinction to say that you're not French, but you're French Canadian. It was like it was one of those distinctions that they would use to describe French Canadians living in French colonies. So you see, with the with the term like habitant associated to a hockey team that represents French Canadianness or French Canadianism. You see how this all layers, and it's multiple layers of cultural, historical significance. There's not a lot of religion in play in the, you know, the history of the Canadians. But the one thing that is in play, which religion does very well, is remember. Remember our history. Remember where we came from. The one religion that does that the best is Judaism. Judaism does that fantastically, saying this is who we are. We do not have a single hero or a single Jesus-like character, but... The strength of Judaism is its history. It's a long, profound history, and it's three over 300-something laws, or 600-something laws. That's what makes Judaism strong. Now, where does this connect with the Montreal Canadians is, in a similar way, I suppose, if you want to compare Judaism with the Montreal Canadians, is, uh, is I guess it's similar with the Canadians, is that they always talk about their history and their culture and also all the success and similar to Judaism, where if you think of Judaism, most people think of Moses as like the guy. Well, a lot of people mistaken Moses as like the Jesus character of Judaism, but, Je but Judaism never had a Jesus-like figure. Judaism's strength is the many prophets of came. And in a similar way with the Montreal Canadiens, its strength is not a one person. Granted, when we think of Canadians, we always think of one guy. And for me and most uh, people who grew up watching Canadians is uh, Maurice Richard. He's like the standard of of a Montreal Canadiens player, culturally, symbolically, and everything. So he's like the Moses, if you will. But what makes the Canadiens strong is that it has a history of homegrown French-Canadian talent, but not just that, but just great talent that's come through, you know, Montreal. Even in my recent memory, there's play, you know, players like Kovalev, Koivu, uh, Zednik, uh, José Theodore being another one. I mean, uh, and uh, P.K. Subban being another one. I mean, there's, there's plenty. There's plenty. And the Montreal Canadiens is greater than one player. The Montreal Canadiens is history. You know, when you play for the Canadiens, you're not playing for a multi-million dollar franchise. I mean, you are, but you, the, the, the feeling that you should be having as a hockey player playing for the Canadiens is that you are playing for the most historic NHL franchise in the history on this planet. I mean, if the Americans are allowed to call MLB the World Series, I'm allowed to say that. But that being said, when you think about Montreal's success through sports or pop culture, it's everyone points to the Canadians because the Expos are gone. Uh, as I said before, Jackie Robinson is a thing of a past, but he's part of a sport that no one really watches. Whereas hockey has always stayed. Hockey has always been our thing. This, this city's thing. This is what the city's identified for. If I were to compare the Montreal Canadiens to any soccer club in the world I would probably compare it to Liverpool but yeah I would say the Montreal Canadiens are more similar to Liverpool in terms of it's been a long time since they last won it's been over 20 years since the Canadiens have won in 92 Liverpool won last year and it's been 30 years since they've since they've last won the title and they have a similar history Liverpool Montreal being it's a very it's very specific to the community it's in its history transcends out of a city where if you want to talk about the history of English football, you must talk about Liverpool. If you want to talk about the history of ice hockey in Canada, you must talk about the Montreal Canadiens, along with the original six. So that being said, where does the Montreal impact fit in in this space with the Montreal Canadian? I mean, everything I've said about the Habs have been 
huge. I mean, I've just said that the identity of the city can be seen symbolically through the Montreal Canadiens as a sports franchise. And and that's a big that's a big statement. That's a big cultural sphere it occupies. So where does the Montreal impact on soccer culture fit into all this? And I like to compare it with a new religious movement or cult. You know, if you if you've seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix and as someone who's studied cults and studied religion in general, that's a fantastic documentary to watch. It gives you a great psychological profile of each person that joins these cults. And the one thing you'll notice not a lot of brainwashing. It's a lot more of people willing to participate. Not to say brainwashing doesn't happen. It definitely happens in some cults. But a lot of these people were really, you know, they're in it. They they that they want to participate. And similarly with soccer, <laughs> comparing the Montreal the Montreal impact as a as, a, as an apocalyptic cult. And <laughs> what what they do have in common between cults and and this new growing popularity of soccer is. It's a smaller community making the relationship between fans or the the fans and the players or the cult and the cult leader that much more intense. Meaning that it's a family. We're all in this together. It's like-minded people coming in together. It's a, just a concentration of the same kinds of people, same kinds of energy. And that's what I see with the Montreal Impact. Is that we, it might not sell out the stadium every game. I would say lately it's been better. 80% full from what I'm seeing. And... The more, the more people come to these games. But above all, what I do notice about, again, the, sim- the similarities between cults and uh, and soccer <laughs> impact soccer fans. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna always laugh when I compare much impact fans to cults because I think it's funny because there's so many parallels. And I'm not, I'm obviously not trying to be insulting or anything. I don't think the word cult is insulting. If you take it as insulting, then you've misunderstood what cult means, which means care in Latin. Cultus means care in Latin. But anyway, the one thing about the Montreal Impact, Montreal Impact fans is that they are self-awareness. Every Impact fan I know is very self-aware of where soccer fits in the city. Every Impact fan will never say that we'll be we're bigger or better than Canadians. That's that's impossible. It's impossible because the history will will tell you that. If you want to talk about rel- of recent success, yeah, I would say the Canadian the the Impact are better than the Canadians in terms of recent success. Even recent success is highly relative. I mean, you know, getting knocked off the first playoff round versus not making it, not making it to the playoffs. I mean, you know, anyway. Well, the Canadians didn't make it to the playoffs, but they got knocked out first round too. So I guess both sports are in the same boat. <laughs> I think the one thing that Impact fans and cult fans have the most in common is that we want more people to participate. We want more people to come to the game. We want to see the sport grow. Impact fans want more people to join their ultras. They want more people to, you know, just come, buy one ticket, even if that means coming for that one big game against LA Galaxy, LAFC, New York Red Bulls, whatever, right? Or against Toronto FC. No, everybody must show up for a TFC game. That's, <laughs> anyway. But the one thing that all fans have come is that we want to share this joy and love that we have for soccer, that this city will totally gravitate to. The Canadians have been disappointed. The Canadians are difficult to watch and the Canadians are expensive to watch. Whereas Montreal, it's affordable. You can come and it's fun. One of the last similarities I've noticed with Impact fans as let's you know as a cult with actual cult members or people who've joined a new religion, you know, whether that's, let's say, a former Christian that converts to Buddhism, that former Christian who is a new Buddhist might have might most likely have the most amount of religious energy out of someone who is born Buddhist because they have this newfound passion and this new religion. So they have this all this energy that they want to ex- not expel, but share. 
and express. And I believe that much of Impact fans are similar are similar when they're, you know, talking to their friends and when they're talking to people about the games because Impact fans understand that if our franchise or if our team were to get better, we need more people coming in, buying tickets, and hopefully using that money from ticket sales and other, uh, I guess, revenue will be used to buy the right players, upgrade the facilities properly, you know, do everything, grow as a club, use that money properly and wisely. That's what we're all hoping. It's kind of like it's kind of like when one of your friends does psychedelic for the first time and really wants everyone to do it. I was kind of that guy, but it was like it's 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 that it's it's that fashion where you've had that one profound experience of psychedelics and you're telling all your friends like, guys, you got to try it. But sometimes it's not for everyone. But anyway, it's just it's that kind of energy where you find something new and something that's almost few makes you feel complete makes you feel something that you never thought you'd feel before and that's what i think that soccer could do to the city in so many ways i never thought watching live soccer games watching live impact games would make me feel a certain way i never thought that ever and then here i am a sucker for them unlike cults or new religious movement the impact doesn't need its fans to spread the religion and get more members i mean obviously that will help to get more butts and seats but Cults and new religious movement rely heavily on external recruitment, recruiting more people into religion, whereas the impact doesn't need to do it because, A, it's entertainment. So it will be on TV, it will be online, and you could go find it and watch, and it's up to you if you want to find it and watch it, and your friends can hype you up on it. But I believe that the real growth will come through the ticket price itself, which I'll get to later on. But the first point I want to point out is Canada's rapidly growing population it's not necessarily high birth rates. It's really more of high immigration rates. A lot more immigrants are moving into Canada. I think that's beautiful. Obviously, as a son of immigrants, I'm happy to see more immigrants coming to Canada and have or share the same life as I have had here, living here in Canada. You know, it's amazing. And for me as a soccer fan, this is better because all these people are coming from soccer countries. So it'll only contribute and add to the tapestry of soccer in Montreal or in Canada. It'll we will get more Afonso Davies through immigration. We will find more talent that will break through the Canadian system or that will constantly break the barriers and standards of Canadian soccer and then, you know, hopefully bring us to a higher level. And I believe that these these kids and these people coming from soccer countries, they come from countries where soccer is played a specific way and is part of their culture. Similarly, if Montrealers who grew up playing hockey were to find themselves in Scotland, let's say, and they go into hockey league, they probably get in super quick because they have the foundation, the technical and strategic foundation of how to play the game. That's something that it's only done through experience, but it's only taught to you by people with a lot of amount of experience. And it's the same thing with soccer. It, you, you cannot compete with a guy whose dad or grandfather have played soccer, not even competitively, but just have played it a lot and have that experience, you know? Whereas, you know, someone with me, my dad didn't really play soccer. My family household didn't have that soccer culture, nor did it have the hockey culture. We kind of had the golf culture. I mean, I'm not great at golf, but I could play it. But that being said, I'm already at a disadvantage if I were to compare myself to someone who's had, who plays soccer with his dad. There's all these things you have to consider. So when you have these immigrants who have that kind of family background of soccer within their family culture or within their ethnic culture... They're gonna only but add and grow the sport here. We're gonna have more. We have, we're gonna have greater players getting enrolled in the youth academy. We're gonna have talented players, hopefully breaking through the youth academy and joining the first team. And again, for those who don't know how soccer works, every soccer team or club 
usually has a youth academy, which is their farm team. They produce these young kids up until they're like 18, and then they'll give them a pro contract if they're good enough. Famous example in Canada being Alfonso Davies, getting a, a pro contract with the Vancouver Whitecaps at 15 years old. I mean, that's how good he was. So why does it matter? I mean, I'm saying all these, you know, immigrants are coming in, gonna make, gonna make soccer more competitive, it's gonna make soccer better, we're gonna have more talents coming through. And that's the key thing that I wanna focus on is homegrown talents. Yes, let's say they're immigrants or refugees, but they their family still chose Canada and they still chose to play soccer in Canada. They could have picked up hockey if they wanted, but now soccer is a viable thing in a country that will have all these people playing soccer and hopefully producing homegrown heroes. If I look at the Montreal, Montreal Impact right now and I see the homegrown players or players that are from this province, there's uh, Anthony Jackson-Hamel from Quebec City, Samuel Piat from outside of Montreal, Repartigny. And then you have uh, Zachary Broquillard from Montreal as well. He was playing at Lyon for like a season or two. There's other players that I'm forgetting, but I just named you three that every Impact fan knows and everybody knows those are Quebecois players. And uh, if you look at Zachary Broquillard and Anthony Jackson-Hamel, I think their parents are Haitian and they're Haitian immigrants. And now they're playing for the Impact and they're, you know, they're inspirational. They must be an inspiration for some people. When I see Zachary Brokia or or Zach, to me that's I, I I like watching him play. I was like, if this is if this is what we could produce right now, or this is what we can you know have right now on the impact, I'm I'm only excited for the future because I think he's a great player. For I mean, get relatively speaking to MLS standards, I still think he's a good player. But I think the most important thing for this impact cult to grow is really a rise of a hero. I mean, I said those three players. Yes, they were homegrown, like, talents that everyone loves and they're inspirational. I mean, Samuel Piat is practically the captain of the, Montreal, of the Montreal Impact, in my opinion. What specifically Montrealers and Impact fans are waiting for is someone who is from Montreal and becomes a star, becomes a celebrity. Even if it is famous within MLS alone, that's more than enough for Impact fans because we need a Maurice Richard for the Montreal Impact. That's all we're missing. Can Samuel Piat do that? And in, in today's social media, he he falls short because I I follow him on Instagram. He his social media is like you know it's kind of typical, if you will. Not it's, I'm not dissing him by any means. It's you know it's just it's normal. You know it's a, he runs it like a private account, which I appreciate because at least I get to see a genuine him. But we are waiting. This is what Montrealers are waiting for. We need a local homegrown hero. That's all we're waiting for. And I think that with the rise of immigration and more of these immigrants coming. And all these kids participating in soccer, whether they're immigrant or not, who cares? Uh, more kids and more people participating in soccer Montreal and are from Montreal and live in the city. And if they become stars, that is when the impact will reach a new level of success. And it's only a matter of time. And I'm just, I'm patient and I'm waiting for that as an impact fan. So why heroes? Why, are we, why am I talking about heroes? I mean, I think it's self-evident. It, they're inspirational, and then everybody wants to go and watch, right? When Alfonso, again, when Alfonso Davies came to Montreal, when he used to play for for Vancouver, a lot of my friends who are casual soccer fans were t were asking me, "Hey, do you want to get tickets and watch Vancouver play Montreal?" Unfortunately, I was out of town; I couldn't go. But I remember one of my friends who's more of a basketball fan. Shout out to Gurpreet. He was we were talking. He was like, "I'm trying to get tickets to watch Montreal play Vancouver. Do you want to go?" I was like, "I can't. I'm out of town." But the fact that my friend, who is a basketball fan first, was saying that he wants to go see Alfonso Davies before he goes off to Germany, that says a lot about a, a kid who plays across the country. Now imagine we have someone like that in Montreal. Everybody will turn up. 
it in my opinion, it, this is where we're getting to my personal observation. So anecdotal evidence. So I'm not trying to say this is what's happening. I'm just saying what I'm seeing, what I've observed. When I go to Impact Games, there's a lot of working class people. So how will the impact or soccer in Montreal be a working class sport? As I said earlier, with the rise of immigration, and you know, let's be honest, most immigrants that come often are coming as middle class to working class. Soccer being such a cheap sport, in terms of soccer viewership or soccer attendance, I've noticed that there's been a lot of uh, white working class French Canadians attending games. A lot of uh, a lot of Quebecois people from Oshelaga, other east end of Montreal, the South Shore or Laval. I'm noticing I'm noticing a lot of these people coming to the games and actually watching the games and they're coming with their families or they're coming in groups i'm literally the only one that's going by myself i'm not even joking i'm only, i'm literally i'm legit the only one that goes to the game by myself every time i go everyone's always in groups of two or more and in the section i'm sitting i'm listening to the french that's speaking that's being spoken around me and it's the french of my childhood it's the french i grew up hearing and learning that is Typical working class Montreal French. That's that's the French that I understood growing up, but that I've heard the most rather. And to hear that in a weird way makes me feel good. It reminds me of some of the good times of my childhood. But at the same time, it it tells me a lot that they're not a hockey games. They're not going to hockey games. And then I started asking myself, why is that? And the answer was obvious. The ticket pricing is ridiculous. When I hear some of these uh, new Impact fans, I hear the way they talk about the game and the way they're screaming at the players, ah, do this, do that, like as any other sports game. I realized they're applying hockey logic onto soccer. At first, I was it was funny, and I may have even made fun of them, but the more I thought about it, I was like, don't make fun of them. They're, this is how they're going to learn the game. I was like, let them do their thing, let them learn. I should feel grateful that more people are going to watch soccer, that are going to participate with something I truly love. So to me, it's power to them thank you for coming uh honestly thank thank you for coming because for me when i think of french canadians i only think of hockey i don't associate them with soccer ever so when i see french canadians and working class quebecois people attending games it makes me feel good i was like the sport is growing it's stuff like this it's it's gonna make it grow and i think one of the main reasons for sure it's the affordability of the tickets between a canadians game and a impact game and on top of that, for impact games during the summer and you want to be outside so you get to sit in the sun and, you know, lovely day. Ugh. Impact game on beautiful Montreal summer days are the best. So now we're going to talk about pricing. And I did a little bit of research on comparing the ticket prices of the Canadians in Montreal. And I got to tell you, the tick, average ticket prices between both franchises is, is wild. It's crazy. But it's all, it all makes sense, obviously. And I'll get to that so for the Canadians, the average ticket price on Montreal Canadians is $88. Uh, I didn't really look into where you'd be seated. I'm just looking at the price alone. So $88 for the average uh, Canadian ticket. And the average ticket price for the impact is $28. $28, that's $60 difference and average. Like that's that's tremendous. So if if let's say it is truly 30 bucks per ticket and you are a family of four, that's 120 bucks. $120 for all your family to go watch a 90 minute game. If you want to go buy food for each person, let's say it's 10 bucks per person because, you know, everything's over overvalued, and overpriced at the stalls over there. And you are spending, what, 160 at the end? $160 compared to 88 bucks. I mean, like, think about $160 to get your entire family and food to watch a game, whereas it will cost you that same price just to get two tickets to watch a Canadian's game. That's, I don't know, that's kind of crazy. Granted, but it is important for me to say that 
I'm only comparing the tickets based on price superficially. You have to take in consideration, you know, like other financial things, for example, how like the league you're participating in. You're watching the Montreal Canadiens, one of the best and biggest hockey franchises in the world. So you're going to pay that price the same way as Arsenal has the highest season tickets because it's Arsenal. It has all its history. Granted, they're in 15th. Granted, Arsenal's in 15th place and they're kind of really shit under Mikel Arteta right now. Aubameyang's not scoring like Azet. I don't know what he's doing. Ozil's staying at home. Like, anyway, Arsenal's wasted. From what I'm seeing, from entertainment value, it's hard to equate. It's hard to equate between Montreal Impact and Canadians in terms of what which one has more value or bang for your buck in terms of entertainment. And it's hard to say when it's two completely different sports. So that really comes down to your individual taste. If you love hockey more than soccer, then I believe that paying for a Canadians game is going to be worth it because it's the Canadians. Do you wish is it cheaper to be cheaper? Of course. And can you find cheaper? You could, but it's, will you get the best seats for that cheaper ticket? Maybe not. Not for nothing. The majority of people who sit at the best seats of Canadians are like Westmount people. Also, there's one thing to consider as well. Saputo Stadium for soccer, in terms of soccer standards, it's pretty small. It's only about 20,000. 20,000 is actually pretty big, but it's in soccer standards. That's like, it's, it's small. It's, it would be considered a smaller club. Whereas, you know, if you go to Liverpool, it's like 45,000. If you go to uh, Stamford Park or Stamford Bridge, rather Stamford Park, Stamford Bridge, it's about the same. But if there's one thing that it can, what the impact will give you more in terms of bang for your buck, if you will, is definitely the cultural expressions in soccer is far more tangible than in hockey. In hockey, once you go in, everyone's seated, everyone sings the same song, which is ole, 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 ole. Like, it's always that one. It's nothing new. It's always that one. And it's fun. It's great. I love to hear that during playoffs, but I would like to hear at least two more other songs. When I go to the Impact game, you're hearing 10 songs from the Ultras, and sometimes they're in coordination. So my favorite one is the... Is the impact boom 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 impact boom 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 because before it gets to the impact part, it the entire stadium goes E M P R C T impact boom 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 impact boom. That that's how it sounds. I know my voice is tremendous. That you're welcome, and I love that part because you hear the shout of like hundreds and hundreds of drunken dudes just going and it's it's fun you know it gives a certain vibe you know and that's what i love and one of the best things though about soccer is that the fans have the freedom to express themselves when they feel like it is relevant or it is necessary for the improvement of the experience or even to inspire the players on the field to motivate them if you go to Borussia Dortmund and you see the yellow wall it is a sight to see the yellow wall is, it's in Germany. It's in Borussia Dortmund in the stadium. There's one section. It's a single tier section. Usually in stadiums, there's several, there's like two or three tiers, which is like car, uh, compartmentalized. But it's one huge section of people just standing up. I think it's 20,000 people. The entire Subudo Stadium could fit in that one section just staring at the field at one side, uh, at one end of the pitch rather. It's called a yellow wall because in big games, it's called a wall because when they bring up the TIFO, sometimes the TIFO, which is like these huge banners with pictures or with pictures and writings on it, it'll be this huge thing that'll just be unveiled in front of the players and it's just intimidating. It's kind of, it's like a message to up uh, to the opposition is that you're in hell right now. This is hell for you. And that's 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 mental warfare. But I but that's also inspiring for the fans to say that, okay, we got a chance, we could win. We are the 12th man. We are the extra player that these players need. 
and for fans that when you just sit there and you just kind of have to wait and anticipation and anxiety waiting for you know, for your team to score or to win to to know that you you're chanting and singing and whatever is contributing to their success there's empowerment that's a beautiful thing i love about soccer is that you could watch and sit quietly and enjoy yourself or you could participate put some energy into it and actually might have an influence how this game comes out you know it's when Liverpool won their Premier League, the one thing that everyone always said was it's impossible to beat them at home because the fans just make it intolerable for anyone to get in there. All of all the players that go in all say the same thing. We don't want to play here. We're scared. And I want to see Saputo Stadium get to that level. Will it? I don't know. Maybe us Canadians were a little too nice, but it's I want that. And I think we could get there. But also the one beautiful thing about Saputo Stadium, again, is the Northern Star Bell. Every time we score a goal, that bell goes off, and that's all I want to hear. Every time we go to Saputo Stadium, all I want to hear is that bell go off. That's all I want to hear. So I guess I'm gonna to start to round this. I'm gonna to start to round off this this episode with um with actually an, a YouTube video I watched the other day. which is called Poet and Vuj. Poet and Vuj. Poet as in like a poet and Vuj V U J. It's these two guys in London, and all they do is talk about soccer and soccer culture and wh- what have you. And I've been following them since they were on Copa 90. I I encourage all of you who is interested in soccer to check them out. I think what they say is really fascinating. It's fun. Uh, everything you want to know about soccer, definitely watch them. If you want to understand how soccer is enjoyed from English fans, definitely watch those guys. So there's something that Poet says throughout all of these episodes when he talks about soccer is that he doesn't like how soccer has become too commodified it's become too much of a business that players don't really care about the club they play for they care more about the paychecks which in a lot of ways is you know these are poor guys who are finally getting money so of course they'll only care about the paychecks to me that's founded but what poet was saying was i he, he even said this like i don't care how much money you make i just want you to give a shit about the club that i love which is a very, very reasonable thing to say. I get it because he's an Arsenal fan, so that's why he's saying that. But he's also, what he was implying is that the reason why football or soccer was fun for the fans is because we were a part of it. Our emotions were in on it. It was great to see players that reflected the same emotion as you did, that reflected how you feel about this club. The kind of emotion and passion I'm talking about is the kind of energy that will cause a riot. You know what I mean? Something of that kind of energy that you want to see the fans, the players that will genuinely die for the club in a weird way. You know what I mean? And I'm not encouraging violence, but it's that kind of passion that I want to see happen here. And I believe it will happen here once we get that homegrown hero. And I know knowing Montreal working class, they will activate when they see stuff like this. They will come alive. They will want to come to games, especially seeing the pricing of these tickets. They will come in flocks. Granted, if we win a tie, if uh, if the Impact win a win a cup, those ticket prices are going to go up for sure. But you know, it is what it is. But going back to Poet's point was, he just wants to see the spirit of soccer back. He just wants to see people give a damn about the game and be passionate about it, be emotional about the game. And I'm on board with that. He isn't saying that we should get rid of the money and all that. I mean, like ideally, it'd be nice, but. It's a business now. It is what it is. It's it's here. With that being said, as Montreal being this cult in Montreal sports, I believe that because we're it's still relatively a small market, a small community, that the intensity, the emotional intensity, the emotional, I guess, attachment to the club is still very possible and could still grow in a profound manner. That I believe that the way that the English fans might express their love and 
and passion for their club. I, I strongly believe that could happen with the impact and the working class fans that attend these games because A, there's the, there's the price point for sure. But B, it's just the ability to express yourself, the ability to, ability that you have some sort of say in the game that if you just you know keep singing and keep participating or you join the ultras, that it will influence the game. And hockey doesn't give that. It doesn't give it the same way. And I think in soccer, for the fans, there's a lot more participation. So in my opinion, I guess to round this off, in my opinion is hockey will never go anywhere because hockey is truly the cathedral on the hill. It's, hockey is St. Joseph's Oratory. It's never going away. It's such an icon of the city. It reminds us of everything that was once great and beautiful. The golden age of Montreal is symbolized to the Montreal Canadiens. Whereas the impact shows a new chapter, a new history of the city and where it's going. So I believe the impact will be more about what is the spirit and soul of Montreal, whereas the Canadiens is more of what is the golden era of Montreal? What is the history of Montreal? And I believe that just like religion, you need the history and you need the passion and the love and the emotion. You need those two together, the objective and the subjective. The Canadians are special, but the impacts are creating history. And I'm, I feel like the impacts are creating history or, or they're on the way or on the path of making history. And I am so happy that I get to be a part of it or get to witness it rather than even... I'm not even a part of it, just to witness it. I would love to see that. For me, I love soccer. It has a lot of soul in any club. It has soul. And you see that spirit in the clubs. You see that soul that people have or the passion they have for soccer. You see them expressed through the clubs or through the songs or through TIFOs or what have you. I want to believe, not I want to believe, I am seeing this happening with the impact. And I, and I believe that we are headed there. That similar intensity that you see in Europe, I strongly believe we'll, we're heading there right now. And the one thing I do ask for any Impact fans or any Montreal soccer fan who may not be a fan of the Impact is patience. Let's be patient. Call out the bullshit when it needs to be called out, but be patient. I strongly believe we're headed there. So for all those who made it to this point of podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to every single episode that's been done so far. As I've said, the first season I want to dedicate it to Montreal or to soccer in Canada because as I said, it's if you were to go on a pilgrimage, you can't just go on a pilgrimage. You got to prepare yourself first at home, reflect and think and you know and get ready to go on that journey. In a similar fashion, that's how I'm treating this season. Is that I? It's important that we talk about soccer, where I'm from and you know where I find myself. Because the way I understand soccer ultimately is through my immediate environment. If it's not through TV, it's through playing the game and watching the game in Montreal, and that's really how it informs me. It informs me much. It informs me a lot of my personal style of playing soccer, but also reflects a lot of my worldview of soccer. My worldview of soccer is very much shaped by this city, so it is important for me to talk about soccer scene in Montreal before I go out into the world. And that doesn't have to be at soccer. It's like anything else. If you do travel in the world, you'll always be called out by other foreigners saying that's a very Canadian way of thinking. That's a very American way of seeing things. That's a very British way of saying things. You know. And that all has to do with your background. If you do not take a moment to reflect on where you're from and your immediate environment and how that shapes you and the way you think and the way you navigate and negotiate the world, then obviously you lack self-awareness. <laughs> That's all it means. But, but I think it's important to highlight what are the things that make you, you. Because those are the, your tools to negotiate the world. And that's what I learned from my years of travel through random countries is you have to learn how to abandon some of those things and just be open-minded. So once again, thank you for listening. Please do not forget and subscribe 
to Soccer Pilgrim at any podcasting streaming platform that you find, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, what have you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing me out. My name is Jason Jisoo Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. Thank you.